We fought every single day. No joke. There was not a single day there was no fights at home. And our neighbors all heard it, but no one's going to call the police. No one knocked our door. Even as kids, we were probably screaming and shit because today you hear us. Next day you hear another neighbor from another corridor. It's nothing scary or like really standing out to them because we're all the same. It's just about who yell a little bit louder. Welcome back to Berlin Midnight Meows. Hi everyone. I actually haven't recorded in some weeks already. I really have to get back to the rhythm, but it's really hard, I must say. So this time, it's pretty rare that I already have the title before I even record. Because usually I kind of go into a recording session with like, just like some rough ideas of what I want to talk about this time. And after that, I come up with a title that could pretty much summarize everything or just like highlight certain things in that episode. But then today I already have the title, which is actually a big commitment because who knows, maybe like I, I changed my mind, don't want to do that anymore. But I don't know, like I'll try to stick to it. Actually, currently in my circle, I feel like, how to say, I don't think everyone is rich, rich, but I definitely know uh, way more people that are more from the middle class than the lower working class. I also talk to a lot of people in different countries, from different countries, and I've realized a lot of people use the word poor to describe different things like could be their family could be their current financial states and it's actually a very ambiguous word right because what's poor it's a very subjective thing right like someone could say i'm very poor this month i don't have enough money to go to like a fine dining restaurant and that's already poor for them Everyone has their standard for what's poor. So it's like a very individual perspective. I'm not trying to give you a lecture here. If you want to learn something about poverty as a subject, go read some books and do a degree focusing on that subject. Don't try to nitpick here, okay? It's really just my personal opinions. Just to start, I think there are, like in my language, three tiers of poverty so i would really start with like what people call absolute poverty it's really this starving poor basically what you would see in some advertisement of some ngos or charities that kind of people that really have no food no water supply no access to medical services their basic needs are not covered, that's starving poor. And I would say in countries like Germany, I think this is really rare. Worst case, like you can really literally just like dig into some trash. You will be able to find some leftover and, you know, still can can eat something. But of course, that's really shitty life, right? But I think that's a little bit more 
far away from the more privileged, developed countries. And in the middle, I think a little bit higher is like hungry poor. People would be worrying about next month and sometimes they, they are ready to sell shit, really get some money to live through this month. This is actually not limited to lower income people. Actually, many people have that state, even if their parents are not this kind of working, working class. I mean, life has a lot of ups and downs, like a lot of changes. Maybe their parents got unemployed or just some big financial crisis, something just hit you accidentally and all of a sudden you have really almost no money in your account. So that to me is actually something I heard a lot from even people that are from richer family, let's say. It could be like a constant thing that you are constantly like this, but it could also be like you just suddenly drop into into that. But then still, class-wise, maybe most of the time you still have access to some other things. And that's like what I wanted to talk about the next one that I would call that like a overeat poor. And that's me. That's what I would describe for myself because growing up, I never had any like food problem because my family just had stably low income the whole time. So it was not much money, but at the same time was also very stable. And the income was not as low as we weren't able to afford food. Actually, growing up, I always had pretty good food because my mom liked to cook. And I remember when I had some friends over, many of them just told me, wow, it's like some kind of banquets, just like so good food your mom make. I was like, yeah, because she spent most of her money on food. So it's also a bit like a very village mindset because like for her, women is about food. Like if you can make good food for your family, then you're a good woman. Even though she always had a full-time job, she still insisted to go to the wet market to get some really, really fresh food, you know, still with soil, still dripping, some water dripping, vegetable, and then the pig always like from that morning, like she needed that level of freshness. And if she couldn't do it, she would ask us to buy it. So actually, I never felt like food-wise, I lack anything growing up. And that's also why when I sometimes just like talked about my upbringing to people, they might expect me to have kind of like, like a package of miserable elements in my life. I must have everything very bad combined together. And I was like, no. I always tell lots of stories about just growing up in a working class family, things like this. But my intention is really not about getting sympathy or not. Because growing up, I had never felt so bad about my economic status. That was not so much of a big deal, I must say. Because in my class, in my school, I was not the poorest one. I was definitely on the better side. I can also explain a little bit how the demographic was like in my high school, uh, middle school. Because I, I grew up in this area where people were either like me, not so high income, but also very stable that we were able 
to get like the public housing, some basic subsidy from the government, but only half because we were not poor enough. So that that was very much my tier. There were a lot of my classmates. They were on full subsidies. I'd say if we have a school trip, then all the expenses for them would be covered by the government. Basically, everything was for free for them. But I'm not saying it's like it's like really good because, of course, there was other stress like when you when you got subsidy from the government. But then, just saying, it's enough money to. Get food and have basic things. Also, like buy basic clothes. But of course, we would not know anything about designer brand. Like I really got to know this world of designer brand on the internet probably after twenty euro. But I mean, it's also not like a big loss, anyways. But just to say that it's more like a state that you are definitely not rich. But you don't have survival crisis. At least I didn't know anyone like this. To also give you another reference, when I went to university, I remember that was first year. We had a communal dinner thing where all the students just sit together and have dinner. The professor that was like kind of hosting the dinner that day asked a question: Who knows how to play piano? And I remember I was one of the probably fewer than five people who did not raise their hand,、uh, and that's that really showed because it was some three hundred people all together there, and most of them, of course, it's in the university, and in Hong Kong, it's really really competitive. Only a small amount of people, like around twenty five percent of the people, could make it to university. And my university was also one of the pretty popular ones. It's even less the percentage. So you can imagine most of my schoolmates back then they were all like from rich family or at least middle class. In my high school, there was no one whose parents was like a doctor. So it was the first time I got to know. Oh wow! Your parents are doctors. I first time got to know them in university, and that five around five of us who who couldn't play piano, many of them were from my area. That is like what I meant with this kind of you not hungry, but you are kind of poor. You have all your basic needs covered, but then you have no access to. More luxury stuff. For example, I think many of us have never traveled anywhere outside of China until we earn money ourselves. So I think that was like a line to draw in Hong Kong because Hong Kong people just like the poorest people in Switzerland would still probably be richer than like some regular people in Bulgaria. My friends. Boyfriend back then, he's from Bulgaria, and he came to Hong Kong to study because he was like a really good student, the top student in maybe like in a town or in a city in Bulgaria. But the first shock he had was, as a person who comes from a pretty rich family in Bulgaria, he couldn't even afford the tuition fee in Hong Kong. So he really struggled living in Hong Kong because everything was really, really expensive, 
even compared to local Hong Kong people that were not that rich, they still way richer than him. So that's what I heard, like true story. I feel like what my class lacked back then was not even so much the money, but the vision. And that was very much my parents' case. Well, they want money for sure. They both they both love money. <laughs> yeah, they are communists and capitalists at the same time. They have been always very bitter and always saying like, uh, like they are so unlucky and also don't really understand how some people manage to change their like just certain parts of their lives. They also tend to underestimate how hard it is to, for example, develop your career or start a business, especially if you're not born rich. If you get rich later, you probably deserve it. I think there are different things people did that was not just about working harder, but also like have that creativity, have that business sense, or even like very good at making friends that later also help you in your career. And I, I think my parents really didn't didn't understand this. I think for them, the way to get more money or to climb your your career ladder is to work harder, to work more hours, and maybe also like do some exams and get some licenses. So they really don't value things like soft skills. I would say a very common thing in my class is that people like to save money, like tiny things. Like my mom used to always save the water. She used to wash the vegetables and then she would use the water for watering the plants or like just like flushing some shit like down the drains. And at the same time, my dad was like gambling the horse racing thing and then also stock market that's their hobby so you have a hobby of uh, basically buying the riskiest stock in stock market and then you say you want to save money from saving that one liter of water every day but then coming back that area i lived in was not i think number wise was actually not the poorest in hong kong so that's also another thing I want to bring up. Just to compare to other even poorer areas, if there's crime, it usually happens at home, inside the family. It's not like this kind of like stabbing or robbery on the streets. It's like this kind of um, domestic violence. That's a really common thing in my area. Uh, well, same for me. I talk like that's other people's story. No, no, I'm definitely in the perfectly in the domestic violence victims definition. I do- totally fit that. But yeah, I almost forgot. So um, first this, but also a lot of people committed suicide because yeah, it's just too stressful. And at some point there were some families, um, basically the parents chose to kill themselves, but also their children. Um, yeah, and that was uh, very like reported everywhere. And it was not just one single family. It was like several in a row over the span of maybe six months or so. So at some point we got this name of the city of tragedy. Or I, I think you can also say the, the city of sadness. There was this narrative around that area. 
So it's not so much stealing, this kind of things happening on the streets. Because people are equally poor. There were some people that live in the private housing, not the public housing, and also not getting subsidy. Their kids also like got to learn piano or like get forced to learn piano. That's a good thing about not having enough money to learn piano. At least I didn't get forced to do that. And I know many of the richer kids, they got forced. And that also was a really painful memory for many of them. So you only have this kind of lower middle class and then the rest of us are like just poor, basically. What's a reason to risk try to steal from other poor people, right? While some poorer districts, they are usually, to me, a bit more dangerous. And yeah, in a sense, more interesting as well, because usually that's how like underground culture finds their home, like, you know, all the hip hop shit. That's like how it started. And also music and things like this. While for us, our area is also at the border of Hong Kong and China. There were a lot of families consist of basically an older Hong Kong man who went back to China and then married a very young woman from some some poorer towns, villages in China. They came to Hong Kong, moved to Hong Kong, thinking, ah, they're going to have a good life together. And then they realized that this man actually is poor as fuck. He's also getting subsidy from the government, but then they're already pregnant, have kids, and things just start to snowball. So that was like one of the reasons why there were so much disputes like my family we fought every single day no joke there was not a single day there was no fight at home and our neighbors all heard it but no one's gonna call the police no one knocked our door even as kids we were probably screaming and shit because today you hear us next day you hear another neighbor from another corridor it's nothing scary or like really standing out to them because we're all the same it's just about who yell a little bit louder like that and for the this more so-called little bit more dangerous districts i think another characteristic was that it could be like three streets away from like a public housing area you have the rich people area. So it's a little bit more mixed. So that's why I think it's a little bit more vibrant culture-wise. It could also be more more stress. You see rich kids, like they are not so far away. For us, I still remember when I got to know some students from other schools in some joint school um, activities. They are from really like the traditionally rich areas. It was the first time I got to know that, oh, wow, there are schools with swimming pools. Oh, what? You have swimming lessons. That really blew me away. We barely had a laboratory. Barely. Also, many things were not enough. Same for PE lessons. They didn't really have the place for us. We just didn't have that much facility. So I was really shocked to see the outside world. But then it's just one city. You know how we back then define someone is rich if your family rents your apartment from a private landlord then you're fucking rich because all of us live in 
public housing. And of course, if they have like a piano or even like a maid, that's going to be big news. Like next day, the whole class would know about this. Uh, yeah. And yeah. And I think when I talk to people who grew up in like that kind of more, let's say more complicated regions that I think it's also quite cool because there were also a lot of movies made in those areas like the more you know mafia areas let's say okay yeah that's a easy description to show the vibe of those areas it's more like mafia and if you open a shop there you have to pay some protection fee while in my area it's not yet a target for mafia because who wants to who wants to fucking rule this poor fucking place but when i talk to people who grew up in that kind of so-called mafia areas, I think they've seen even poorer stuff than me because, as I said, we are stably poor, but we're not, like, starving poor, not hungry as fuck poor, not like that. Not so much crazy stories of mom doing 10 jobs to feed their kids or their, their whole family live in like a 15 square meter flats, subdivided housing, because of the public housing supply, we are okay with like even just low income. So yeah, that's like different colors of poverty. And it's the same here. I like to compare these two kinds of communities, areas to Matan and Neukölln in Berlin. And I think Neukölln, of course, some lower income families, but at the same time, there are also shitloads of hipsters and also some rich people there that are renting those 2,000 euro per month flats. So it's really mixed, while certain areas like Matan, it's more homogenous and homogeneously low income, let's say. Uh, Yeah, but... I'm not going to take any responsibilities for, you know, like having a little bit inaccurate information here because, again, I'm not Wikipedia here. You want to know some real statistics? Go Google yourself, okay? I am here just to give you like a feeling, like a perception, okay? My area, my community got so famous at one point because of all this kind of Mainland China, Hong Kong, marriage, domestic violence and crazy things happening. And some film production house also followed that and made movie. I wanted to say movies, but I'm not sure. I only know one that is quite known about basically just daily life in this tiny community. But it's somehow unimaginable to the rest of Hong Kong. Yeah, I think it's the first big, like, really community that was, like, kind of following this new urban planning uh, approach, maybe in the 90s, around that time, that they really built a lot of public housing because of the lack of housing supply in Hong Kong, obviously. So they were actually trying to offer some, yeah, just some space for lower income family, but they did not they had not thought of this consequence of gathering a lot of basically social problems in just a tiny area. 
yeah, so they they were just filming like people's days and nights, and they also came to our school. I remember because um yeah, just like as one of the more famous school in in that tiny area. Looking back, it's just hard to imagine. But again, if I didn't read all these news, I really didn't feel bad about growing up in that area. I didn't blame the place. I actually quite enjoyed the place because. Growing up, I didn't know that much about the outside world, and it's kind of nice that you didn't have that crazy much comparison. Of course, we also had a lot of comparison, but the comparison would be just between, like, for example, the shoes we wore. Like, I wore that kind of how much was it? Probably like two to three euro. Just this kind of really plain shoes. A little bit looks like Vans, <laughs> but the but the Chinese version. Wait, let me check. What's the name of it? Uh, so I try to look for a proper translation, but I don't think I found any. Like the literal translation is really white rice fish. Like that because it's completely white, but basically they're just sneakers. So I was wearing that a lot for many years with my brother as well, and of course you could get them from the wet market. And versus some, you know, those kids who had to learn piano, they would wear some some thirty euro Adidas shoes. It sounds like a big jump, but still, it's a small range, right? No one was wearing Balenciaga sneakers to school, so、uh, really, calm down. Like nothing like this happened, and because it followed the new city planning, so things were quite convenient. Like it's well connected. I was also quite happy that I grew up in a less crowded area that. We always had better air quality. There's no reason you go there as a tourist. If you come to my area, you can go to China. Why? Why stop there? You know, just go all the way to China. You will have more fun there. It was so homogenous that there was only Hong Kongers, like this kind of super local Hong Kongers. No, no mixed culture background. Nothing. It's really single, single culture Hong Kong born, Hong Kong raised Hong Kongers. Even their parents or mainland Chinese. I remember when I went to city center, just the more cosmopolitan part of Hong Kong, and then I saw these like, oh my god, business people like in their suits. Oh wow, so many nationalities, like so ambiguous. I don't can't tell where they're from, and、uh, also like a bit intimidated because oh shit, I have to speak English. Like I found it really exotic, even though. You know, it's the same city. I felt safe in my in my tiny small town. I think coming back to Germany, it's more or less the same. I, I'm pretty sure people wouldn't be like starving poor. It's probably just like max like hungry poor, like some homeless people and such. Because my partner did. Help in like a homeless people camp, so that's like some little tiny bit knowledge I I got from him, was that food was actually not the biggest thing people lack in like the homeless people circle, because if you dig into any trash in the city, you can find some food. Of course, they're not always consumable, but still most of the time edible. And I think what they lack was things like supplements or. 
bandage, like things that could wrap their wounds because you get food, but you don't really get like the proper nutrients. I'm recording this afterwards as like a additional thing because I've been editing this episode for like a month on and off, just busy recently. So yeah, I just have some last notes to add, which is a lot of people tend to have this misunderstanding about poor people, especially if they didn't grow up in such environment and they just basically sympathize poor people a lot, like kind of have this image of they are very innocent and like this kind of perfect victim that are actually working very hard, but then don't really get fairly compensated, all these things. But just in general, a little bit of unrealistic imagination of poor people because they think they are aware of their privilege. So they also want to be on poor people's side, which I get it. You know, I think it's important for us to talk about equality, equity, and also acknowledge the sufferings or difficulties. Poor people, poorer people with less resources would need to go through let's say, to receive similar quality of education as richer people, like all these kind of things. But I also want to say like poor people aren't just like a kind of animals or like some kind of species that are just out there with like a single trait. It's not like this. And usually they are also not that innocent because we all people we're all humans we have something good some nice virtue but at the same time of course there are lots of poor people that are greedy um they talk a lot of shit about others other poor people especially uh, just speaking of where i come from uh, i don't i don't mean the city i mean just this environment i i think it's kind of also kind of arrogant to see them like they're poor people that need help uh, and you're like the somehow the saviors or what and to me that's very off because yeah poor people they have their own characters they fight a lot and a lot of them they are grumpy and greedy and a lot of times you think poor people are just suffering quietly at home no that's not the case a lot of times there are lots of alcoholic um, people gamble a lot like my dad so uh, how to say it's not that evil as some right-wing people think but it's also not that innocent as some left people think so in the end it's very diverse it's also not like a peaceful world like when everyone is poor you think they're gonna get along all the time no (laughs) in the end it's still a lot of comparison my mom always compare it's not just my mom actually other other people I've like encounter or like I've witnessed as well that when you're poor you still want to compare and also look down on people that are poorer than you more pathetic than you blah blah everyone has their like their better moments and their worst moments and I think for people that are outside of that circle it's just most important for you to understand the limitation of the system and also some shared challenges 
people have when they are from a lower class. The people in homeless people camp, they always fought each other and also stole each other's stuff. Like today, you're gone for two hours, coming back with, I don't know, something you collected on the street and your spot is already gone. And then they would get in, into arguments. And of course, there are people that get along better and there are people that don't or like they even hate the people that come to help them even because they think they're very hypocritical i don't need this, this kind of help and sometimes even like the more sympathy they get from you the more they hate you because they feel like you're not treating them equally and for them of course there were a lot of people who became homeless unwillingly but there were definitely many people that chose to be homeless because that's to them a kind of freedom. But that doesn't mean they don't want any subsidy uh, or help or like, you know, food from shelters. No, like that doesn't mean that. It could be like, yeah, I, I go for like a more alternative way of living. Uh, I heard from him there were people that kind of drop out from the so-called quote-unquote normal path. They actually had a job or they actually had like a family, but then they just kind of ended up on the streets because they just didn't want that life. So I think to understand the reasons behind and also who they are, what they think to them is often more important than you going to them and just be just, you know, giving them like a empathetic look. <laughs> but of course, if you give them money, they will take it for sure. Uh, but then if we talk about equality, it should be done this way. Maybe get to know them, get to know the stories behind them. Yeah, I think same theories for people here, like a lot of rich kids that they never experience real poverty, not even like my tier of poverty. And now because like just generational changes, it's not always easy to make the same income as your parents nowadays if you come from like a richer family or middle class family especially if you study some art shit or some humanity things as long as you don't study like medicine uh, law uh, engineering then you might be in this kind of crisis that might also happen that they just fall into also this hungry poor hole maybe temporarily maybe a bit longer, who knows. I think that's also like a complete valid reason to call yourself poor just because you cannot afford what you used to be able to afford. The culture you experienced as a kid and also your vision, what you have seen and what your expectation is. Like for me, uh, I think over time it also changed because I make different money. If you ask me now to travel somewhere and then stay in a hostel with like this kind of like 24 people in one same room, I can't do it. I can't. But I I could do it like five years ago in the past. For me, Starbucks was also like such a rich people thing. If you ask me now, there's so many things that used to be even too good to be true to me now I'm like meh I'm not gonna get this so yeah it's also like a not just gender like even like your economic status it's also like a very fluid concept it does change all the time depends how much you make and if you already 
enjoy a lot of materialistic stuff, then it's also hard to go down with your expectation. Also, the sensory, you're not gonna feel as much like a person who has never traveled, who has never even lived in a proper hotel. And suddenly you give this person like a some three-star hotel thing, they would already be like, wow, that's like heaven. But then if you have been staying at some fucking five-star shit, then of course that's like fucking miserable time for you. You're going to cry in that room that actually functions perfectly okay. What I wanted to say is know your privilege, basically. And also you might not have this privilege 10 years ago, but you might actually have earned one over time. So check your privilege from time to time because they change faster than stock prices sometimes. Uh, sorry, I always talk about stock market because my parents, both of them, they are like actually stock market experts, just never made money, but they know how to read all these graphs. They know better than me, even though I actually study economics, but that has actually very little to do with like stock market, finance, investment shit. When my parents fought back then, it was always about stock prices. So it's really funny to overhear their fights. Like most of the time when they fought, it was about stock market because they share the same fucking account. I still don't understand why you do this if you have so different opinions. So every time when they buy something or they sell something, they need to kind of get the other person's consent. So they always have this kind of discussion that is actually kind of democratic because it's like i want to sell this what do you think like this but it always turned into a fight not like a single time it would be resolved like uh yeah i don't agree but go ahead none of it ended like this and in the fights it was always a lot of numbers but they all kind of have like a personality it's like my parent my mom would say something like i told you to sell 1125 and my dad would be like why 1125? I thought we should have sold 606 instead. And my mom would be like, oh, you want to talk about 606? Huh, don't you remember that time you forgot to sell 501 at the best time and now we have lost so much money. And it's always like so many numbers. And as a kid, I was a bit confused because it's like they were talking about someone. It almost sounded like, like my dad cheated on my mom sometimes because it's always so emotional. Like every stock, really, like the kid or the mistress, I don't know. And my dad also did secretly sold some shit or bought some shit without telling my mom. And my mom would found out because they used the same fucking account. Again, I don't understand why, but they really insisted that. So I really grew up with stock market. Like that's like the third kid in my family that I lived with. When I was a kid kid, I really thought there was like a market. There are like a lot of like boxes that is going up and down and, you know, like kind of connected to some threat or what and I always thought my parents go there like a physical place but it's a little bit like a like a theme park thing I always thought that's in my imagination that's how they do their so-called trades there for example my dad always says this line of what's the meaning of this decision you won a candy and you lost a factory again he did not invent this it's just some kind of like saying 
people say a lot in Cantonese. Yeah, I think we have enough rich kids in Berlin who want to be poor and finds being poor really cool. Uh, that is also funny because I think once you have that feeling, that already shows that you probably not poor and you never really experience this shame of being poor. Because I think that's also. Something that cannot really be measured by money. So I can totally imagine someone that was born in the like middle class, but then maybe their family is the poorest in that whole circle amongst all their parents' friends, and they would always feel that shame. So I think this shame, yeah, is also like a good measurement of like, have you really experienced that? Uh, yeah, because if you're poor, you. Really wouldn't want to tell everyone and also show it. That's the last thing you want to do. Uh, right. Uh, still have the life hack. I want to share something kind of obvious, but maybe maybe for some people it's it's new. Don't know. Uh, yeah. When I buy new things, but like rather standard things that I can check. For example, the brand and look for that product like with an actual name. I always have this habit to go on like some secondhand website to just first check whether they have it. It's a habit that I've started to have since I was twenty two three like that. And don't get me wrong, that's definitely not my parents' habits because actually for. People like them, they find using secondhand stuff actually quite disgusting because of hygiene reason, but also like pathetic, miserable that you have to buy secondhand stuff and not buy the new stuff. It was a very stigmatized thing in Hong Kong when I had the vintage shop, the online one. I always went to this flea market on Sunday to. Also sell stuff in person. It always took me so much energy to explain to them. There's nothing for you to be ashamed of. It's even like a trend because like there are so many old fashioned trends coming back. Uh, and it's not dirty really. Like most of the time, it's not dirty. And you can also, if you're worried, you can wash them at home. Because sometimes I also bumped into lots of like people like my mom that would question a lot, and then they also asked me why this vintage dress would be like forty euro but not two euro or even for free. Like literally, I'm not joking here. So I really had to explain a lot and be very patient, which was okay. Like I kind of took it as like an educational process that I'm like bringing this trend to Hong Kong because ten years ago it was still quite. New, uh, was it ten years ago? Maybe seven years ago. Okay, I don't want to like fake like a pioneer. So starting from clothing, I also explore different things. For example, makeup, and I'm not talking about the half used one. Actually, I know people who wouldn't mind and would just like take the open ones. Like for example, like foundation, some skincare stuff, and if it's just open but not used. Super much. Some people wouldn't mind and still take it, but even if you are not that kind of people, you have that concern. I can tell you there are so much 
unopened, completely new makeup, skincare products on all the secondhand platforms. You know, cosmetic, it's kind of cheap. So lots of times people kind of overbought it or they got them as gifts, but they don't like it. So they just put them on there. And I wouldn't mind to buy from them, especially sometimes it's like really expensive product that I was not sure I wanted to try. And by chance, I found one on that kind of platform, then I would just get it. Why not? Uh, Something I have to really highlight is perfume, because perfume is quite expensive. And, you know, it's a it's a very intimate thing. That's maybe also another tip for you that don't just randomly get perfume for someone you don't know really, really well. Even for your partner, like if you don't, you're not sure about the taste, why do that? It's like that's such a, it, you wear it every day. It's like more intimate than having sex to me. So I saw many people selling this probably secretly because they don't want to hurt their friends. And most of them are unopened. Usually a lot of them are like half price and such so yeah check them out uh vinted for if you're in germany in hong kong i think you have like carousel but also in facebook there are lots of yeah that's almost the last reason i use facebook is for this kind of groups that you sell stuff or you get something for free um save the environment but also save your money like don't be lazy just like check them out before you buy them impulsively at the shop uh yes so that's all of today's episode i didn't really try to joke around because recently i've had quite some stand-up shows so it's really just like casually talking and a tiny teaser here i'm finally getting to this dating topic that is too big that i really don't know how to start but there are so many things i can talk about like also so many crazy stories not just happen in my life but also i heard from people around me and i'm gonna start um talking about this whole thing probably from next episode on so as usual i always welcome some emails and also tell your friends if you like this podcast uh, or tell me if you don't like this podcast okay um that's all have a nice evening and talk to you next time